you you spoke in previously in the the podcast about how you always wanted to be a filmmaker about what age did you sort of realize you wanted to be a filmmaker when did you sort of get that realization all right yeah i mean i i can pretty much um almost narrow that down to exactly um i remember um before i'd even seen the film um itv at the time in in, in the area was showing um a documentary of making of the raiders raiders of the lost ark and i was about at this point i was probably about eight eight years old or whatever when i saw this and okay. um i remember we 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 had as i said i grew up in the home video era i've said that before so we had vhs and i and i recorded it and i literally just watched it and watched it because it was the first time it sort of took you through the production from development pre-production into the actual behind the scenes of the production and through to the post-production and re release so it took you through the whole sort of journey and it was the first sort of time i saw what steven spielberg was doing and he was you saw him working with the actors and you saw him discussing shots with the director of photography and you you, you know you saw this process and I remember being really um, fascinated by this. I hadn't yet seen Raiders of the Lost Ark and really wanted to. Um, and uh, I kept watching the video pretty much every day I put it on until the point where I actually remember being really sad that the VHS tape snapped. I guess I'd played it so much that it snapped. And a couple of Christmases ago, uh, my good friend Alex very kindly gave to me the Indiana Jones films on Blu-ray. And to my oh, nice. absolute delight, they had on the Blu-ray disc, um, sort of from the archive, they had this this making of Raiders of the Last Ark, which had been shown. Oh, really? And it gave me goosebumps to watch. Not even the DVD had that. No, the DVD didn't have it because I bought the DVD previously. DVD, yeah, and I'd always been it. disappointed. But the Blu-ray actually had this, this you know, um, vintage documentary, as they put it, because it was made in like something like 19... 80 or whenever yeah and oh, um amazing i mean i'm sorry just to interrupt but um i mean one of the reasons why i didn't get the blu-ray apart from crystal skull being on there was <laughs> which film the fact what? That I... <laughs> yeah no I... <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but the um i heard that the transfer of raiders was terrible that they hadn't done a good job on it like they had done with jaws people were expecting like jaws levels for this uh transfer and from what I heard, it's not that good. Uh, I mean, it's 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 not bad, um, but you see, the thing is, the VA uh, the not VHS, sorry, the the DVD transfer was actually very good. I don't know whether you remember. Yeah, so I do. It's not. It doesn't sort of blow you away noticeably different, which obviously Blu-ray is supposed to do, really. Um, but you know, if you're watching an upscale DVD, uh, yeah. it looks pretty damn good anyway so um but yeah uh you, you know i i want i'm a bit obviously i wanted this and and you know um as i said i, I was very lucky that, that alex my, my good friend very kindly gave me it as a as a christmas present which i was delighted but as i said i was even more delighted the first thing i went for of course was the extras and when i saw that this was on there <laughs> i put it on and it almost it almost brought tears to my eyes because it took me right back to my childhood and it was really weird i knew it verbatim i'd obviously watched it that much 
that I that I knew it verbatim, but it was just so good to see it again. And it is actually for the time. I mean, obviously compared to what they do nowadays, it's you, you know it, it's very old and whatever. But for at the time, it was it was quite an interesting and educational look at filmmaking. Um, you, you know, and and the process. Uh, and it was a great. And as I said, I, I distinctively remember that that was what inspired me very early on i was obviously already a fan of of movies and and television series and things of that nature anyway but um this was the first thing that really got me into how they were made and and what a director does and got me really sort of interested in in wanting to be a filmmaker when i grow up which um was obviously not not as common back then as it is nowadays for people to say you know <laughs> mate I, I have to say again kind of jealous um over the fact that you knew what you wanted to do quite early on because for me i came to it quite late okay well, mind you it hasn't made any difference though we're still in the same place but yeah <laughs> the, the thing was I've always been a big film lover but film was always hollywood it was always a different country thousands of miles away i don't think i could have do anything in it i mean i knew there was the british film industry but that still seemed to be something that was over there and i was over here never really figured that i could do it and um i remember as a kid i uh, remember there was like a video camera that we had i don't know if it, it must have belonged to somebody because it wasn't ours but it, it turned up at a christening and I remember running around the yard with this camera and just having so much fun and just filming things and people and as you know i was only thinking about that recently that you know i remember just having so much fun with this this camera i mean it was one of those video it was must have been a vhs one because i had the recorder on a strap uh -huh. over my shoulder connected by a cable to the camera itself and i don't know if i'm sure i recorded it no, I haven't got a tape of it anyway. It must have been fucking awful. <laughs> Not staying on anybody for much long and, you know, just ah, running around. Look, camera. And, you know, flash forward years ahead. I'm I've gone to university. I'm doing computer studies because I went to college and I started doing electronic engineering, which I was terrible at. Couldn't even solder. Uh, a simple circuit <laughs> I couldn't it was just it was crazy and then did computer studies instead for two years and at college it was great because we had you know state-of-the-art computers at the time and we were doing programming and doing spreadsheets and word word processing and all this kind of stuff and you could either become a programmer or you could become a systems analysis uh systems analyzer which really didn't have much to do with computers. It was more to go into businesses and say, uh, you know, we have a system for, uh, let's say people clocking in and out and you look at what the system they've got in place and then you come up with a computerized way of doing it, uh -huh. that, you know, streamlines it, all that kind of stuff. So the computer part was very small, but I love the program. And that's where I went, went to uni where it was like going back you know, to the beginning of computers where they hardly had any. And if they did, they were the kind of computers we had when I was at school, 
So we're talking, you know, BBC Micros mm-hmm. kind of level. Yeah, no, I remember them well. Yeah. And it was all theory. And it was three hours lessons. Boring as hell. Mm-hmm. Boring as hell. And I remember I'd be in these classes and I'd be bored to tits and I'd look out the window and I'd see all these guys running around with cameras. <laughs> I, was, I was just thinking, man, I wish I was out there with them. And I don't know why I didn't do this at the time. Um, but I, I didn't, I didn't change what I was learning. I, I think about it now I could have maybe dropped out of the computer studies and joined whatever film course they had. But at the time I was really getting into music, me and some friends, we're going to put a band together and we were going to, you know, rock the world. That was our plan. And our band lasted for about five seconds. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, seriously, uh, this must have been the shortest band ever lived. We did one rehearsal. It lasted five minutes. And after that, we split. Now, what did you play? I was a uh, bass guitar. Oh, good for you. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I, I dropped down from uh, playing the guitar to play bass guitar because we had three guitarists. And uh, we had no drummer and no bassist. So I decided I'll be the bassist. And yeah. You know, I tried to make it as a session player and didn't really work. Uh, <laughs> I remember uh, I, I don't know how the hell I got caught, um, met this guy. I think it might be my, my guitar tutor at the time. But um, I was helping this guy out audition a drummer. He hired a studio out and he, you know, this guy turned up with his drum kit, set it all up and the guy's playing his songs and this drummer he never played once and just sit there and watch the guy play. And I was just trying to play along, you know, I didn't know any of the songs, but I was trying to sort of play along with him. I was making an effort. And then the guy who hired the studio said, Oh, let's go for a break. They went off, had some drinks, came back and then started swearing at the guy, <laughs> you know, had a real go. And I paid all this money for this studio and you're not even picked up my bloody Johnny. <laughs> You know, his language was much more threatening than that. I mean, it was literally like we thought he, there was going to be violence. Right. Yeah. And after that, I was like, ah, sod this. So I ended up in a dead end job. Um, I was working night security at a vehicle depot in Wilston. Right. And I used to watch a lot of TV. Yeah. used to watch and just sitting there thinking, this is it. This is what my life's going to be. And I remember watching this program on Channel 4 called the shooting gallery which had short films ah. and the thought came into my head i could do that and that was it once once that thought was there once that realization came to me that was it i quit my job i went off and did panico which we talked about oh yes. the last last time yeah absolutely. and um you know i haven't looked back since no absolutely i mean you, you know um i i was you know as I said, we're of a sort of similar era, similar generation. And I remember, you know, when I, it was the, the very late eighties when I was leaving school. And, um, at the time, the thing to get into was, was it. Yes, that was, that was the big thing. I mean, nowadays (laughs) it's, it's go to media school or whatever, but you know, at the time it was, it was it and, and, you know, that was the sort of path I followed, um, initially as well. Um, and, but, but always wanted to do, um, filmmaking um as as i said you know i'd I'd been brought up as as a kid i remember 
remember, you know, you know, the first film I went to see, or my mum took me to see when I was very young, was 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 Star Wars. Um, it must me have been too. it must have been the re-release because I remember it was when it was. I, I still remember even as a kid being worried about this. Um, my mum sort of read the the opening scroll to me because even though I could read, you know, I needed a bit of help or whatever at the time. I was still quite young, you know, and and she read it. Yeah. And, you know, she read episode four and suddenly I was worried that we'd missed three episodes. You know, I was like, what have we missed? Have we come in late? Have we missed, you know, because it didn't make sense to me at the time. I was like, what, what, what do you mean episode four? You know, um, and, and and I remember that the another strong memory I have as a child is, um, you know, I remember in the house I grew up in, we always had more than one color television, you know, one in the back room and one in the front room. And I remember, you know, I guess, you know, we sort of had, we, we got things in those days, we got things a bit later than they had them in, in the U S um, you know, nowadays. Oh, we, but... we, we, we did. I mean, um, star Wars um, came out the summer of 77, the States came out here Christmas. 77. Right. Which would make more sense, I guess, as to why I remember some of these things, but also, I remember some of my earliest memories were of, of the six million dollar man. Um, it was one of the latter seasons. But again, I, I loved all this stuff and I, and I was really sort of interested. You know, I didn't know whether I wanted to be an actor or, or, or what. But, you know, I, I was I was totally inspired by this stuff. So when I was at um, when I was at college right after school doing um, computer studies, I actually signed up and did a photography course. Um, okay. A city and guilds in in photography, and it was you know again we were just on the sort of cusp before going into any sort of digital stuff. It was still film based, and um, you, you, you know I remember learning how to uh, you know develop my own black and white um, film and. Uh, you know, sort of then became not just interested in the subject, but but the medium as well, if that makes sense. So um, yeah. it was kind of sort of marrying these things together. And, and I guess that's what I love about film is it's kind of a a mixture of all the or a marriage of all these sort of performing and visual arts that's all sort of married together to tell a story. And there's, you know, love storytelling, hence why always inspired by you know television and stories and and films and all of that sort of thing so it it, it has been you know the, the the kind of love of my life um really and and it's yeah you know it's it's sometimes frustrating that i can't be more involved that than, than i currently am but um but you know we keep well, trying right we do it because yeah, we love it so exactly i mean you're i mean you're in a position now i know that you're you've got this full-time job, but you, you're now kind of in a, a financial sense. If you want to go out on the weekend and shoot something, you can do it. This is true. You, this is true. You know, you know people with cameras. Yeah. Um, you know people with sound equipment. You know people who are going to help you out. I mean, it's just, it's all up to you. Yeah. I mean, I can understand it. I mean, I'm the, you know, I'm, I know I'm doing modern love, but I'm still yet to shoot the next bit. And, you know, it's, I, always keep getting caught up and doing other people's stuff in between mm -hmm. so hence why 
this film's taking forever to make because there's always something else going on. As soon as I finished that and I go, right, back to modern love, somebody else comes along, well, do you like to do this? And I'm like, yes, let's do this. I'm like, I'm terrible for that. I should Sometimes I should turn around and say, no, I'm not available. But the thing is, people have done me favours. I like to pay that back to them, you know, return the favour. And that's how we get things done. If I become the guy who goes, oh, yes, do me a favour and then, they come along and say, can you do me a favour? No, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what yeah. you mean. I mean, I, I sometimes no, get caught up in much too that. much in other people's projects and that does take a bit of time. And But uh, hopefully now I'm, I'm back to doing one love and nothing else comes up that isn't paid. If it's paid, yeah, I'm going to take it. But, you you know, I, I thought the same thing when I started doing this part-time job that I have because I work evenings, you know, filling shelves. And when I first started that, I thought that was the end. <laughs> I really yeah. did. I was for the first six months there. I was, oh, I was really down. I was didn't really talk to anybody, because I thought that's it. That's the end. That's it. That's the end of my filmmaking career. I'm I'm stuck here. But then, what that gave me was money that I wasn't earning from the film industry to go out and make stuff. Yeah went out i bought my own camera i bought my own editing equipment and now i'm sort of you know i still i buy more gear but i've built upon that so just it it lets me go out and make stuff because before when i first started i had to rent everything or borrow or you know beg steal yeah and it's now, costly isn't it it's i mean very costly th this is the thing i i think nowadays the i i think what's happened is the challenges the challenges have shifted slightly whereas it used to be incredibly expensive and difficult to actually get a film made you know particularly when you were shooting on film for example um nowadays because of technology and whatever and we've, we've got the tools that are much more readily available and 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 affordable to do this sort of thing. Um, you, you know, I think that the, the tough bit now is is actually getting getting your material seen by the right people because there are so there are literally you know hundreds of thousands of filmmakers out there now sticking you know films online left, right, and center and. Um, you know it's wonderful you know the internet again it's a wonderful platform for us to exhibit um our uh, our work but it's almost like you've got to be sort of a master social networker as well <laughs> you know this is what the new producers kind of are nowadays the ones that are real gold out there is they are um very much sort of well there is a title now social media producer isn't there or digital media producer something like that and it's and it is a full-time role in itself really um i have to say i mean yes the way of getting the word out is different but i think it's still the same it's all about selling it's all about selling yourself just because it's selling online and you're getting to you know see more people it's still about selling yeah it's Again, I've been listening. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I especially like the Movie Crypt one. Mm -hmm. And they had the two producers on there from Project Greenlight. Oh right, yes, yeah. And the the one the, the one producer who was responsible for uh, Goodwill Hunting, mm -hmm. he he said they have this bit at the end where they say if if you are giving a speech 
in front of a whole lot of filmmaking students, what would you say to them? What advice? And he said, this industry, it's all about selling. It's about selling yourself, selling your project, selling your work. You can't do that. Get out. You can't sell yourself. Why would anybody be interested? And I've seen that happen. I've seen you look at some filmmakers, ones I know, and you see that they're doing really well, that they're getting the meetings, they're getting the stuff. And you're going, how on earth? How, why this guy? You know, he's not made anything or, he, or he's made very little, but it's done really well. You think, how is this guy? Because he is very good at selling himself. Well, they are very good at selling themselves. They sell themselves. Um, they sell this, you know, they sell themselves as a director, as a filmmaker. And it's, it's about selling. Yeah. You've got to be a product. You've got to be your own business. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 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 Now, I think we've gone down the route where we thought our work was going to do all the talking. You make it and people would watch it and that would be it. That will, you know, oh, everybody think, wow, this is great. We must talk about it. It's not that easy. Yes, it's a bigger playing field out there now. Um, back in 98, when I started, you know, working on films, you know, yeah, it, the competition was less because you had to shoot on 35 or 16 mil and that was expensive. Mm -hmm. And outside of film school, you know, it was very expensive. I mean, most of, most of the shorts I worked on as, uh, as crew was all sort of student shoots or they had some form of funding behind them. And then, but when mini DV came along, the, the amount of people out there making films got bigger. And it's just gonna it's just gonna keep happening. It's gonna keep happening. But yet we still when we go to the cinema, we still see the same films being made by the same filmmakers. Okay, not the same films, but the same filmmakers out there making films from the 70s and the 80s and mm -hmm. the 90s. So there's something about those guys' work that people will go and see. No, definitely, definitely. I mean, you, you know, I often um you know, refer to uh, <laughs> the film industry and this is going to sound awfully cynical. And, and I obviously want these podcasts, you know, from my perspective to be fairly upbeat and whatever. So I, I won't, <laughs> I won't linger on, on the negative, but you know, it is, and it's always been the case. I think when you look back at the history of, of film, which obviously is not a long, we're only talking just over a hundred years or whatever, but um, yeah. uh, you, you know, it's the lucky few hundred and um it is literally hundreds, not thousands, even though it takes thousands of people to make films and there's thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people working in the industry. Um, in terms of the, the you, you know, the the actors, the writers, the directors, the producers, you know, the creatives, if you like, the above the line, it does seem to be, you, you know, whether it's television or, or film or indeed, you know, theatre and other mediums as well, it, it, it tends to be the same people that, that seem to be in it and uh obviously you know you get breakthroughs and you get new people coming along but um yeah but but you know I, i've come to the the thing that, that you just got to keep creating your own work and you've just got to keep doing it because you love it basically so oh, indeed you know. and and the thing is it all it takes is that one person to believe in you and see your work because that's what it is it's about building and it yeah. is about building on the people who believe in you. Yeah, no, absolutely. This is, this is one of the great things that happened for me when it came to crowdfunding. I've done it twice. First time, I raised a little bit of money 
not much. It was enough to get one of the stories filmed, not much. So next time I went to do crowdfunding, I decided to lower the amount. The first time I was after the full amount. The second time I was enough to make two stories. We made nearly double of what I was after. And that was from people, friends, family, people who knew my work saying, we believe in you. Here you go. Here's a little bit of money. Go off, do it. Yeah. And it's just, you just, that's all it needs. You just, and then you've got to keep going. You've got to keep building on that. You've got to keep building on it because it, it seems to be now that it, it takes time to be an overnight success. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. absolutely. We, you know, we think of people, uh, we look at directors who are sort of breaking now and we think, Oh wow, lucky bastards. What did they do? Or, or some, some cynical people go, I wonder who he slept with. <laughs> you know, you know it, there is that bitchiness in the industry, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you find that there's that there's been a long road for that person to get there. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And that's why I was kind of jealous that you knew what you wanted to do earlier on because well, I, I could have started this path a lot earlier. Yeah, I mean, but then it's just, but you know, that's the end of the day. This is the path we're on, and we can't change it. But we just we keep going. It's. It's funny, actually, something else I remember from my childhood, you know, you were saying about the, the it's funny how, how things trigger other memories. Something else I distinctly remember from when I was really young, right? My dad let me stay up and watch a, a movie of the week on television, all right? Oh, right. And I, I remember being really gripped by this film, okay? And it was actually the film Duel, Okay, Ah, and it was funny because I obviously, without even realizing it, was a Steven Spielberg fan before I even knew who Steven Spielberg was. You know, (laughs) it was kind of I remember remember that film having a massive, massive uh, influence on me, Um, uh, you you know, as a as a you know, I didn't know what it was about it, but I was absolutely hooked to it. And and it's it's funny now you think about these sort of little moments in your life, you know, from from a young age that sort of inspire you, you, you know, into adulthood. And, and it was definitely all sorts of things like that. And as I mentioned last week, loads of American, well, not just American, there was some British as well, but, but largely influenced by sort of uh, television series coming out of Hollywood at the time that were, that were genre, action, adventure, sci-fi, mystery type stories, you know, um, re- really, really um, uh, influential uh, growing up. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm hugely influenced by American stuff. Uh, I mean, British stuff, not so much and not until, I mean, certain things, but not as much as Americans. I mean, I can tell you the like the first couple of films I went to see when I was a kid. Well, I was taken to because you know I was very young. But Star Wars was the very first film I saw, mm-hmm. and then it was Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Oh wow! Yes, okay, yeah. Which um, I've been told that I started crying halfway through, and my parents had to take me out. That's <laughs> just the film. <laughs> it's just the film. Yeah. Oh, Even man, back then, I found so, it boring. Yeah. yeah no. Uh, it's yeah. It's still boring. <laughs> the, first, the first one I saw at the cinema was actually um, Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock, and I remember oh, okay. I was blown away when the Enterprise got blown away because I just yeah. couldn't believe they destroyed the Enterprise. Because obviously, you know, um, from that time, they'd been obviously, of course, rerunning 
um, oh, the original series, the, the, the original yeah. series, and and I yeah. can't even believe I I didn't see Wrath of Khan until I saw it on video or, or even maybe television. Because is... Rafa Khan was was a fifteen. Yes, it was. Still, wasn't it? it's still fifteen. My my cousin snuck me in to see that one. Right. Uh, see, I used to. Um, but before I say this story, I just want to say what the third film was in my list, and that was Battle Beyond the Stars. Oh wow, the Roger Corman classic. Yes, I remember that. James Cameron worked on that as art Indeed. director. Indeed. So yeah, the only ship that's got boobs. Yeah, what was it? I saw him. I went to a, a Q and A. He did what, a sort of life and pictures thing that he did once, and um, he, he made me laugh because he said he said um, you know he was obviously given this uh, this 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 job um, you, you know to design this, and uh, you know it was very much aimed at sort of you know uh, you know the, the the demographic at the time was your sort of you know teenage boys and whatever, and he said he said how 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 do I design a ship that's basically a pair of tits with guns yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which i always thought was quite amusing but yes i remember yeah battle beyond the stars was a video film from my early childhood yes i remember yeah. i saw that. that one at the cinema but my my cousin jimmy used to take me to the cinema a lot um i used to spend the summer at my nan's place it was like two weeks so my parents could have like a break uh up in banbury and they had like a canon cinema there mm-hmm and uh, I got to see, like, Return of the Jedi, Temple of Doom, Star Trek II, um, Rafa Khan. Now, remember my cousin at the time saying to me, oh, you have to be, like, 16 to see this film. And I thought it was a PG. And for a long time, I thought, to go and see a PG, you had to be 16. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wow, well, you know, parental guidance, but... Uh, yeah, it was just, you know, it's it's weird some of the things you think of as a kid. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I remember with, you know, I've got a big love of Star Trek. And I, I remember mm. when when Star Trek 4 came out, um, the the cinema, the same cinema, actually, that I saw Batman in down in Bournemouth, um, which was the big cinema at the time, um, which was a canon cinema, I believe it was at the time. Um they did the first four Star Trek films back to back. And this oh, was wow. the first time I saw Wrath of Khan on the big screen. And um, and indeed, the, 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 the motion picture, I'd, I'd, I'd been watching the TV version, which is slightly longer, that yeah. um, I'd recorded off of, of television and used to watch. And, um, and I also remember my mum... I remember this. My dad took me to dad took me to see Flash Gordon. I remember that the 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 the, the Dino De Laurentiis uh, production. Gordon's so, alive. Yeah, the Mike Hodges film. Absolutely. <laughs> dad took me to see that, and I remember Mum took me to see Superman, the movie. Oh wow! Um, yeah. Which again, I you know I remember she was having to explain a lot of things. You know, I was like, when are we going to see Superman? Because of course. <laughs> young and was, was kind of impatient wanted to see the costume my aunt took me to see superman 2 so i never had that problem right <laughs> there you go superman 2 which uh yeah so you, you know i grew up on all those you know yes. those, these big blockbusters staple movies and then and then obviously you know started watching classics earlier you know beyond that as i grew up so i started watching you know the hitchcock movies and uh and obviously the the, the bond movies because um which were a big influence, but obviously when I was when I was a kid, 
uh, Roger Moore was was James Bond. And I remember That's right, yeah. ITV used to sort of show the films every week out of sequence. And I, I seem to remember the first one I ever saw that my dad let me stay up to watch was, uh, you know, on a school night and everything, let me stay up to watch was um, Live and Let Die, right? But then I, I never forget this. The following week they had Goldfinger on, okay? Oh, right. And I was totally confused because I was like, hold on, how can this guy be James Bond? This is a different... You know, and dad was having to sort of explain to me that that had been made, you know, long before I was born, you know, back in the 60s and all this. And it was a different actor and all this. And again, this is when I was starting to understand, you know, films and how they were made and who did what and all this. But, you know, um, Bond was a and well, it still is to this day. I mean, I can't wait till later this year when we're going to see Spectre. You know, I can't wait. I'm, I'm a big fan. So, uh so, yeah, you know, there, there were influences all through and, and I've never really wanted to do anything else but be involved in, in, in some way in, in the creative side of, 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 of filmmaking, you know. And, and we are. And I mean, I think, I think just to, to wrap this up. Yeah, but, sorry, I'm um, waffling on, aren't I? <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you've opened a can of worms here, Simon. I have, I have. I have. I mean, we were we were going to talk about our experiences working on like other people's short films and stuff, but I think we'll save that for. We'll get to that. We got. I got some great stories. I don't know about you, but yeah, war stories galore. I can bore the pants off everyone. So yeah, indeed. (laughs) But um, but the thing is, we are doing something we love. Yes, we we love it. I mean, we, you know, we can. We can go onto this podcast and we can talk about films and directors that we like and the films we like and films we don't like and because we love it and we get to do it. That's the thing. That's And a lot of people, they do jobs that they hate, but they have to go and do it. This is true. And we, and we get to do something we love. And sometimes it's a little hard to remember that. But the thing is, what we love is something that's quite hard to do, isn't it? Let's be honest. Like if, most... if it if it was easy, then it, it... like most I, art, yeah, <laughs> art forms. At the end, at the end of the day, if it was easy, then it, there would be no fun in it. Everybody would be doing it if it was easy, wouldn't they? Let's be honest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Trouble is, a lot of people are doing it now thinking it's easy, and it's like, mm, yes, there's a little bit more to it than just uh, owning a, an iPhone and, and, and some software on your laptop. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, there's always going to be that. There's always going to be people who are going to try it and not like it because at the end of the day, you've got to love it. You have to, yeah. You've got to want to do it because there's no logical reason to put yourself through it otherwise. <laughs> That's it. I, I'll say this to people now. Uh, if you can think of another job that you want to do, go and do that. Yeah. Because it's it'll be far easier to do than be in the film industry. Go and get a life. Absolutely. I mean, because this is, let's be honest, this isn't a job. It isn't a career. It is kind of an alternative lifestyle. And as I would always warn my students, I'd always do a little test with them at the beginning mm. of the semester and ask them how many hours they think they'd work on a film set. And it used to make me laugh when most of them thought it was like an eight hour day and all this sort of thing. And I'd say, yeah. no, wrong, long, unsociable hours in all kinds of conditions, folks. You've got to be prepared for the lifestyle, you know. <laughs> it is. It's um, it's like joining the priesthood in some way. Yeah. Like, running off and joining the circus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I try to think what the word is. It's more than a job. And you know you 
you have to love it because it's going to knock you around. It's going to slap you up. It's going to, you're going to have some horrible times, but you can have some great times. And, you know, we got to remember that. I mean, when we, I look, I mean, when we talk about blood and roses, because we are going to get there. Oh, good. Yes. Absolutely. We are going to talk about blood and roses. And the, the one thing I remember about that film was a lot of people there were having a good time apart from me. <laughs> love it <laughs> yeah and i should have been there's a I good that's a good note should... to end on to be yeah. continued <laughs> to be continued keith yes how can people reach you <laughs> oh okay um if people want to reach me um uh, details are on the website uh snake gully productions uh, so it's www.snakegullyproductions.com and snake gully is uh, the word snake and gully g-u-l-l-y all is one word snakegullyproductions.com and uh, you can find my work at uh, independentrunnings.com and that's independent runnings one word or you can go to youtube and if you search independent runnings uh, you will find me Thank you for listening and uh, join us next time and uh, for our third episode uh, where the director's surname starts with C. I'll give you a little clue. Dan, da, 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 da. Catch you next time. See you at the movies. <laughs> Two thumbs up. <laughs>